Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. How are you guys doing? Welcome over to the channel. This episode is sponsored by Eugenics Total Tea. This, uh, this thing does say on the back of it, only for adult males over the age of 18 years old, just so you know. So I would not recommend taking it if you're a female. I don't know how well that's going to work out. Since men are the only ones that really produce a lot of testosterone. Big it? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something like that. <laughs> oh, man, that was just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Put hairs on your chest. I know, put some hairs on your chest. So, well, hey, I'm going to tell you guys right now, me and Will are going to have two different... Um, he's going to think that the offensive is going one way, and I'm probably going to think it's going a different way. Not entirely, but to a certain extent. Okay. I will say... Willie will be leaving us here very shortly. Not for like good. Not like he's dying or anything. Well, he well, is. Di- well, he, okay. So well, actually, <laughs> sorry, I need a buddy. One of the comments the other day, the top comment was like, I thought these guys were meant to be dead. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> me too. Yeah. My doctor gave me five years in 2018. And it's, it's now 23. Years, it's, it's five years. Well, he's Killing meant it. To be, meant to be dead. Literally, yeah. That's cheaper, dying <laughs> With inflation. Oh, my God. If I don't make it, if I make it past 30, I'm broke. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, Willie's still here. So, he's not he's not dead yet. He, um, <laughs> he's going to be going back to Australia very soon. But I'm glad he, I'm glad he did come here. I, we're going to talk about a little bit of progression. We're going to talk about the counteroffensive. Uh, the money that apparently went disappeared, which is always good. And uh, I, I really just want to start this thing off with Bergosian's little rant where he is talking about, he. What, I don't know if it's political or not. I don't really, I, I think it is to a certain extent. I think Bergosian he's only, is playing everyone. Like my honest opinion on Bergosian is that he's incredibly intelligent because if you look at how people call him Putin's chef, where that actually comes from for his funding and everything. He's not a dumb guy, no matter what people will say. And I actually think he's playing this, like, ultimate psyops. And I've, I've spoken about this before. But ultimate, like, psychological warfare against both the Russian Federation, against Ukraine, against the West. And I think Prigozhin is patriotic more towards Russia, but he's patriotic for Prigozhin and Wagner PMC. That's where he's... That's where he's um, uh, patriotism lies and that he's doing what he can to benefit themselves because he speaks so openly about things that you're like how aren't you falling out a window cup of tea cup of tea well there was (laughs) another guy and i've just remembered this who got um has been found committed suicide today somewhere in russia and he was the guy that invented one of russia's multi-stage um nuclear weapons now how old do you think this gentleman was I would hope he was at least in the 70s. 92. 92? Yeah. Now, I'm not, as people will say, I'm a KJB, FSB, GRU, GUR, ASIS, CIA spy. I've been accused of all of it, which is weird because it's both ways. But if I were a spy assassinating someone and they were 92, I'd push them over in the shower (laughs) and be like, oh no, this happened. Not like open suicide, not try and sell the suicide thing. So, there's been some wild shit happening. Now, some of the areas that Pergoji, he's actually really pissed about, which is somewhat ironic because I don't think he really had much to do down inside of this area. He's going to be really pissed about this one or that chunk down over there in a chunk that's somewhere just north of Tokmak, or Tokmak, just so you guys are well aware. Now, the Ukrainians have not taken Tokmak, as you guys can see. They are making a little bit of 
progress in the south, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But this this is the area just south of Warkiv where the jumbled up mess of of tanks and Bradleys were just down there. Now, I, I will say, I know for a fact that they haven't been recovered by the Russians. I know that there's been Russians that ran all the way out to this field. By the way, it's a massive, massive open field. Just so you guys are well aware, it's huge open field. So it's not super shocking that these things were destroyed. They weren't recovered. Uh, Willie made a very good point earlier that they were more than likely have been absolutely already to piss and they're not really useful for anything at this point. So basically just imagine the northern side of it is going to be controlled by Ukrainians, okay? And the southern side of this tree line is Russians, and it's just one massive open field in between. It kind of reminds me of that scene of Fury. You ever seen the scene of Fury when the tanks go across the open yeah. field and everybody's... And realistically, the German would have whacked over. Yeah, you're just, yeah, so they're really just going out over this thing, but the, the, the bullet sounds inside that, that movie were second to none. Yep. They sounded yep. so real... They did a phenomenal job. That's actually that that scene's giving me goosebumps because it is a really great scene. I'm sure everybody here has seen that. If you haven't, Charles, please just insert a very small clip of that. Scene. Like I'm talking two seconds to three seconds. Actually, fuck that. Don't put the scene in there because yeah. YouTube's going to take copyright. It down. <laughs> copyright. Damn. Don't do that, Charles. But he's also angry. This is Prigozhin over the same stuff. He's claiming there's no management, which we all know that's a thing. Uh, there have weapons issues. Uh, no ammo. That's another thing. Soldiers apparently writing letters every single day, which I don't think that's the case. I don't see soldiers writing letters every single day. Talking about shells, they need anti-take measures, grenades, armor-piercing rounds. Aegis goes on and on. He's basically just listing off stuff they're claiming they need. Now, I don't see the letters being the case. That might have been a translation error, but I think they might be writing an email, I would hope. I don't think we're doing a lot of letters anymore. Like, I could be wrong. Uh, he's also claiming that all the information that's coming out of this area that I'm currently showing right here, all the information that's currently coming out of this area is being hidden and the fact that they have sustained some heavy losses. And those are the Russians. Matter of fact, some of these losses that I am personally seeing claimed are massive and almost too good to be true if you're on the Ukrainian side of things. When I mean massive, apparently in the last 24 hours, they've killed five companies worth of men. I don't know how big they think the companies are, but 1,250 is what they're thinking. 1,250. That's Russian troops. Plus, they've damaged and destroyed 46 units of Russian equipment due to routes that... Okay, now the routes are talking about that the Ukrainians control with fire superiority could be a, a thing. Okay, they could have them really dialed in with artillery. I have no idea. But this is the one they're talking about. That's the route that they're claiming. Okay. Now, on the other hand, Putin's claiming that the Ukrainians... And they're in this counteroffensive. Have lost 245 tanks and 678 armored fighting vehicles. In offensive, uh, he's saying that there's no chance that they're ever going to have to advance. There's no confirmed anything on either side. 1250 to me, way high, way high. I don't. Yeah. That just that's like a. I think it's World War II type number. <laughs> I don't even. We know like these numbers though are it's not crazy. confirmed. When we look at, there's a few companies that do conf confirmations through like. Um, Russian newspapers where they look at the deaths, birth deaths, marriages, things like this, uh, Facebook posts, whatever, and confirm. And the numbers are in the way of a tenth to a twentieth of what some other numbers are. And same on the Russian side. The, you know, people hit people claim they've killed 350, 400,000 Ukrainians, which it's not going to be that high. And so, yeah, I think take that sort of stuff with an absolute grain of salt. And the best I seen like armor is like Oryx. We haven't seen any video evidence. That's no, the other thing. Zero. That many vehicles? That many That's guys? Tons. And, and this is the thing. If, if 
Ukraine's like hush campaign that when they start taking stuff, when it becomes really good, because propaganda, propaganda, the word propaganda is used in a bad light, but propaganda is, you know, even the US military releasing an ad recruiting people, that is propaganda. It, it's all under that um, blanket umbrella of that. And when Ukraine do take a village, very quickly the photos get filtered through. When there's GoPro footage clearing trenches, gets filtered through. So good things will get filtered outside of that hush campaign. Which we're actually going to share. I've got like a two-minute clip that I'm going to share of, of uh, talking about why the possibility of this thing could be taking a little bit longer than, than some may be hoping, like you yeah. and me. We're like, oh, we hope they could just flow through certain areas, which we know in the South they've had over a year now to, mm. to build up. So, so I mean, it's not really that shocking. Yeah, the ISW themselves... Um, and this is from the Estonian Defence Forces Intelligence Centre um, colonel, is basically the article, Ukrainian forces may be temporarily pausing the counteroffensive operation to reevaluate their tactics for future operations. And he said, we won't see an offensive cut over the next seven days. And the Wall Street Journal saying, have mostly paused their advances in recent days as Ukrainian command re-examines tactics. And... I think what it was was people have been very critical about some of the tactics of these vehicles bunched up. They've got caught in minefields, the lack of engineering of mines, and you and I spoke yesterday offline about if the tactics were going to be that, single file, bunched up, through a minefield, this was never going to go anywhere. That you're better off halting the uh, counteroffensive, re-evaluating, and going from there. Because at the moment, they're only a few kilometres into this. If they pushed into Tokmark, you know, weigh down and then, hey, this tactic doesn't work, then you stop, then you cut off. So they're better off stopping re-evaluating now than then. But you want to hear a real, real um, tinfoil hat oh, conspiracy. God, to, I have a tinfoil one I was about to tell you too. Okay. I love my one, So th- this is actually coming from Prigozhin. I almost think it's way over okay. far-fetched. My one is from like very propaganda accounts. Good. That Russia good. hasn't killed any of the Bradleys. That Russia bought destroyed Bradleys from Syria, because we know Russia works in the Saad in Syria, and there's been Bradleys killed there, has bought them from Syria, painted them green, and is using them for their propaganda inside Ukraine. There's accounts that believe that? Yeah. What about the leopards? They were stacked on top oh, of the Bradleys. I'm just going for that. I heard about the Bradleys. Oh, okay. But I was like, I was like oh. damn, maybe this could be true. It's Maybe it could be the submarine missing with the PlayStation controller currently. Oh, God, that's an embarrassing I want to hear, what's yours? Well, Brigosian is stating that the Ukrainians have now started to cross the river. Yes, on the southern mm. side of Kyrgyzstan, going to a, a town called, oh, God, P- Piohora. I think it's Piohora. Just on the opposite side, on the left side of the river. I know it's kind of difficult because when we look at a map, we look at the left, is going to be the Kyrgyzstan River, but it's not. I don't, I don't know. That one's kind of hard for me to believe. He's starting to believe to say that they're coming across, and they, they've had one group of men, basically saboteurs, come in and actually do a lot of damage. And now he's starting to see actual regular troops make filter the way into that area. I, I don't know. Again, we would see it. We would. Everything yeah. in this war, everything is filmed by drone, by security camera, by no, dash, dash cam. I, wa- I watched a drone that was in the uh, Ukrainian. Did you see this thing? A Russian drone that was actually, or excuse me, a Ukrainian drone in Russian Belgorod, that, in that region, dropping uh, um, grenades on the guys who were putting in dragon's teeth. 
Right. Did you see oh, that? I don't know if I've seen that specific one, but I've yeah. seen very similar. There's like just dudes, two two dudes out there, you know, not even just like civilian workers just dropping yeah. and just get dropped on. I'm like, man, yeah. everything is filmed. Every, every, every single thing is filmed. And my my opinion on this is if there's not video evidence that services a few days after the claim, excuse me, it didn't happen. Like, I'm not saying 100% didn't, but like everything is filmed. Well, he, so this is, I'm going to keep going on this progression, right? Because it's pretty good. Uh, he says... He's got an agenda here as well. He's claiming the numbers from the side of this area are meticulously hidden and states that the units down inside of the southern portion of Ukraine are missing somewhere between 50 and 60% of their total personnel. He ends up stating the Ukrainian counteroffensive is bringing us serious losses, and he's speaking on the Russians' behalf, and problems which are being hushed up by which apparently the Russian people do not know. That's, that's exactly entirely from his mouth. So I don't know if he's just trying to paint the, the Russian embassy as being a very... Um, non-trustworthy group because a lot of people do. I mean, hell, we're sitting here talking about progression here in America. I mean, imagine what they're doing inside of actual Russia. Well, you know what we haven't talked about here on this on this channel in a little while is is actually Russian propaganda. I have not been watching any of it over the last couple of weeks. I feel like my my brain is actually, I've, I've gained a little bit more brain cells back. It's not complete mush and I'm enjoying it. You know whose brain might be a little bit mush right now though? Is the Pentagon. Oh, the Pentagon's Pentagon. brain might be a little bit mushed up. So you guys ready to lose some weight, maybe shape your muscles, your energy, get that stuff, all that stuff back. As, as men, we age, of course, everybody ages. We lose testosterone, the man hormone, like being a man, that's what you need. We lose that fire. It's harder to feel alive, as energetic, as, as active as we used to be. It's even harder to stay in shape. Now you guys can get that old fire back with Nugenics Total Tea. You guys want more energy, more power to fight the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total Tea Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you guys turn back the clock and re-energize your life. Nugenics is the number one doctor-recommended testosterone boosting brand. And now you guys get a complimentary bottle when you guys text 231-231 and enter keyword TRUTH. That is 231-231 and just text the keyword TRUTH. All caps. Send it over there. It's super easy. Nugenics Total Tea contains man-boosting key ingredients like testofen. It has been shown in clinical studies to boost free testosterone levels inside of your body as a man. Now, Nugenics is the number one selling testosterone boosting brand at GNC and Walmart. Nugenics Total Tea can also help regenerate your life and help you get back that powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. If you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchase price plus the shipping and processing. But now, you guys can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you guys text 231-231 and enter the keyword TRUTH. Text now and get a free bottle of Nugenics Thermo X as well. Their newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you guys lose weight and get lean, fast, body, just absolutely just for super, it's free. Why wouldn't you want to give it a shot? Text 231-231 and enter keyword truth. Text 231-231 and enter keyword truth. Texting enrolls you guys in reoccurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. Number one doctor recommended brand by primary care physicians based on independent survey conducted by IQVIA 2022. So as most of you guys do know, the Pentagon has made an error. Yes, an error, a six two, oh, excuse me, a six point two billion dollar error on you in, in Ukraine. It's just I to me, being American, it's it's a little uh, frustrating. Uh, apparently, they overestimated the value of the weapons that were being sent to Ukraine by over $3.6 billion this year and $2.6 billion of last year. Rather than returning the money, the Pentagon says they're excited to keep giving it to Ukraine. So far, the U.S. has sent now $113 billion to Ukraine. Just imagine what would happen if we messed up our taxes and we don't report that we paid someone over $600. Yes, we would have something about 80,000 IRS agents prepped and ready for anal. 
Not even kidding. If I paid my buddy $601 for helping me work, I am going to get something shoved so far up my rear by the IRS, it's not going to be funny. Oh, and by the way, we're providing another $1.3 billion worth of assistance. Bringing Ukrainians closer to that reality. And today, I'm announcing that with the support of the United States Congress, we will provide more than $1.3 billion in additional aid to help Ukraine toward that goal. We're going to invest over $520 million to help Ukraine overhaul its energy grid, more than half of which, as you've heard, has been destroyed by Russia. Now, I know you don't have anything to do with my, uh, my taxes here in America or where we spend our money as Americans because you're not an American. How do you feel? What is the reasoning behind it? Give me your outside opinion on why the government is struggling to maintain control of... I mean, to be honest with you, it's like... We spent 100, what is it, 113 billion or what it was? So almost 7% or so, 6%? Of your total. Of the total. Um, military spending. Well, uh, coming from Australia where I don't have the same IRS as you, but we have the ATO, the Australian Tax Agency. Um, or the, ATO? Or, no, ATO, Australian Tax Organization. <laughs> okay. As I said that, I'm like, hmm. anyway, if you stuff up your tax at all, oh, getting hounded. You owe $1 more. You can smash. But if they owe you money, good luck. Yeah, but okay, we're ta- on the, same page. the two things, you know, the two things that are, you know, permanent life is going to be tax and death. It's two guarantees in life. But this, to me, this isn't an accounting error. This is smart accounting. And fraud accounting and smart accounting is like a Venn diagram in business and governments. And I personally don't believe the Pentagon, the people that work there, the accountants, are dumb enough to make the error that they've made, that it was actually done on purpose for the slush fund, uh, for the presidential uh, drawdown to then basically make it that they've got extra money to give. Is this a tin hat thing or is this an actual thing? No, I think think this would be the running, most people once, once I explain it, so... I just don't see how they could do this because if you if we were to sell this on marketplace, this as a fifty cal bullet is what five dollars, yeah, done. But now that it's been used, abused, whatever, it's probably worth a dollar. We sell things on Facebook Marketplace. We know things decrease in value over time, over use. Everyone fucking knows this. Like, no one's an idiot unless people selling some secondhand cars in. You know, just after the Rona, we're like, yeah, 400 grand for a Toyota. But either way, that's how everything works. And I don't believe that they could miss this to the fact of $6.2 billion. But what has happened is when they were, you know, accounting for how much this equipment worth, they were putting in the cost of that equipment new, and in some cases, the cost of replacement of equipment. So if they sent a Humvee to Ukraine that was built in the 80s, is a piece of shit, has been flogged for 40 years. Let's say it was worth $150,000 in the 80s. It's now probably worth ten to the military that sometimes they're putting it as the 150 originally paid for. But in even worse cases, we're not making and building new Humvees and deploying them. We're replacing them with vehicles like Oshkosh's, which in Oshkosh is probably a $2 million vehicle. So they're writing down that as $2 million. So they've given Ukraine a $10,000 vehicle, but written it off as $2 million. They're putting the replacement value. Same with shells. I just used the Humvee as an example, but it's bullets, shells. Everything is done like that. So 
I guess where you can look at this is I don't believe that mistake could be made. But the president, the President Biden's administration, has the presidential drawdown, which is money that he can spend through the Pentagon without then going through your systems of Congress, whatever from there. Now, to go to Congress, you have to make it, you know, and approve more money. But by finding an error in it like this, then they've instantly freed up more money. So they've instantly now freed up another $6.2 million billion that can be then put into arms, whatever, and sent to Ukraine without having to go through the normal routes from there. And as Pentagon spokesman said, Sabrina Sai has said, it's going, uh, it's going to go back into the pot of money that we've all... Oh my God, I can't talk, sorry. It's just going to go back into the pot of money that we have allocated for the future Pentagon stock drawdowns. So it's going into the same thing. And what we don't know now is what value they're putting on these vehicles. Because what, what you could do is, okay, we've got $6 billion. And that was came because we we're overestimating the value. Let's just put all the vehicles at a dollar. And then we can send a heap of shit. It's so, kind of hard to actually put a value on a, a Humvee or a... Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they actually do how it. They get a, how do they put a value? Because not like they were just going to randomly sell it to It'd somebody. be some like, algorithmic thing, but we sell a heap of stuff. Like, yeah, well, I mean, what's the going rate for an Abrams right I don't now? Know, they must figure it out because <laughs> a lot of countries buy second-hand equipment, second-hand planes, whatever. But th- that's more what it is. It was very smart accounting that Biden's admin through the Pentagon's like, we need to find some money. Where could we have made? Yep, this. We're free up another $6 billion. But the problem in this too was this error, whether it was an error or done with smart accounting, whatever, this, if it was done earlier, would have given Ukraine another $6 billion for the counteroffensive. What would have been drastic, $6 billion is a shitload of money. That's a a 15th of what has been spent in Ukraine already, maybe a 17th. So it's still a lot of money that is not going to be taking place in these offensives. So... That's really the breakdown of it and the way the way that I see it. Now, speaking about offenses, do you believe the Ukrainians have gained the needed ground to have continued support over time? Not publicly. So I believe that if you were a passive observer of this conflict, like you what you see it on the news, you look, whatever, you know, you're not embedded in these videos day to day, that you would be like, oh, well, it depends how it's spoken. But if you said they've got five kilometres people would be like, the fuck, eight villages. But looking into it further, you can see the importance of some of these regions. But the most important thing, I believe, for Ukraine is to maintain that external support. Now, getting this external support is going to be kind of difficult, though, <laughs> especially here in America. I think pretty much just everybody's over it. I've said this so much. No one really cares anymore. Yeah, English-speaking I- individuals... Don't really care that much about the Ukrainian war. People people move on topics quickly. And what Ukraine really need is some big wins. That will then front page of the paper, first story on your television, news of choice. And will then, hey, yeah, let's keep going with this. Um, that I, I believe these offensives, and even, even Zelensky has said himself, it is going slower than hoped. And, and that said, people are looking at this as two ways. And I counter the argument of the slow and steady. People are going, yeah, but Ukraine is slow and steady grinding down the front. I don't think it's a slow and steady. And I think it has to do with the fact that they're not, they don't have the ability to actually push through. And I don't think it has to do with not having enough large equipment. Mm. I think it has to do with vast open spaces 
and trench. Of course. I think that's the two yeah. major factors. I don't think they I think they have enough heavy equipment as of right now because the heavy equipment that I've seen being used is getting destroyed in open fields. That's why I think they're having to go back, rethink their plan and be like, hold up, this shit's not fucking working. Yeah. We gotta back up yeah. real quick. But but on the idea of that grinding down, you don't want to face Russia in an attritional trench warfare conflict. Because where Russia want to look at look at Bakhmut with um when it was taken by the Russians, they went into attritional warfare. And that's where Russia, I believe, want to fight, is long-term attritional war. Russia have proven that they are not good at fast-paced manoeuvre-style warfare. So I think Ukraine going head-to-head on this attritional front, long attritional front, personally, and from things I've looked at, people I've talked to, is not where they should be fighting. They should try and outmaneuver the Russians. Because if they go into that, that Tokmak region where um, Prigozhin's talking about, there's like 20 lines of, def- like, dug in heavy defence. Going up against that is unbelievable. Even if Russia loses 20 to 1 people, they're still going to succeed in that attritional conflict. But if you can outmanoeuvre their lines of defence, those lines of defence become useless. They've actually become counter, um, counterproductive. If you're, if the enemy manoeuvres your, your defensive lines, your defensive line is now a waste and your people there are in a shit spot that Ukraine should be, like they did in Kharkiv, Thunder Run, Blitzkrieg style, push through, outmaneuver the enemy from there. But armoured maneuver uh, warfare is incredibly difficult, incredibly fast-paced. The command and control is unbelievable, and risk versus re- reward is also incredibly high. But personally, I just can't see if Ukraine go into these regions head-to-head attritional type with the Russian forces in those t- 10 lines of defence. like, And I know people go six lines of defence. Yeah, six lines on average, but down towards Tokmak, Crimea. It's like 20. It's, it's unbelievable lines of defence. So that outmanoeuvre, and I think that's what we'll see, is instead of this like, yep, yeah, head-to-head, you know, World War One style, it will be, we'll outmanoeuvre. But the argument in this is the training on those vehicles, on the Leopards, the Bradleys, whatever, has not been extensive. It's a few months. And the training of... Commanders of tanks, commanders of Bradley IFV type. That takes years, a decade to become a really good sergeant, captain, major of moving these uh, manoeuvre warfare elements from there on the ground. So I think we'll see. I don't know where this offensive is going. It's definitely moving slowly. There definitely hasn't been much coming out. But I think that's because we've seen a pullback, a rethink and go from there. But the, the, the risk on this is too that Russia open a new front line somewhere else. All right, they, they have sort of opened up a little bit in the north, mm. which I'm going to talk about here in a second. But I want to share, I want to share with you guys uh, the, the immense amount of trenches that I, I really believe they're having to actually go through. I've seen a lot of trench videos here recently. i got a lot of trench videos. So I'm going to go ahead and play one for you guys. And yes, I'm going to have to remove all the shooting from it because YouTube sucks about that kind of stuff. Все чисто. Давай, чекай пид пидоров. Тут просвет, вон они. Блин, наш опять. Тут срали типы, ебать, прикинь. Ага. Прям сюда, братан. 
Нормально, нормально. Вгибало осколком, а уже не зашло. Нормально, заеби. До свадьбы за живое. Алло, бежать, сука, во! Ну, уходи назад, чую, что поранили пидора. Хай кричать ему, хай до них ползы заедет. So I'm, I'm gonna pull this mapping up real quick. Just so everybody's aware. Now this is where they have started opening up. I'm not gonna call it another front, but reopened a front, which has been, I don't know, kind of been in their favor ever since the last time we talked about it. It's outside of Kremina. So Dubrova over towards Torsky, Torske. He yeah, pulled this whole foresting, foresting area, forest area right through here. Now this is the area they have opened up, and the head fighting has been extremely heavy over the last couple of days. I don't think the Russians have been able to manage to take like any ground per se. But I know the fighting has picked up and is actually fairly heavy through here. I don't know if this is to try to peel them out of this Bakhmut area because they are gaining. That is, the Ukrainians have gained a pretty decent amount of ground through here as well, or they're attempting to, and they're actually possibly going to get closer to that main route on the northern port of Bakhmut? I don't really know, but that's pretty much the area that he is talking about if they were to open up another offensive in another area, which they have, and it's just over here in the north. Not saying it's going to amount to much, but that's pretty much that. But it doesn't It doesn't need to amount to much. It's like, it's like the Belgorod crossing, like when the um, Ukrainian-backed forces crossed into Belgorod. The purpose of that was they, they were not going to, with 100 guys, they were not going to take that Belgrade Oblast. But does it draw a shitload of forces away? Absolutely. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that to try and draw guys. So if, you know, like you said, if they open that criminal forest, Russia start doing things, then Ukraine will be forced to take troops from Bakhmut or the south or whatever. No what one has an infant supply. What if the Ukrainians were, what, what, if they, what, if they, what if they waited too long at this point? Waited too long for the offensive. Yeah. What, what if they waited and they have allowed the Russians to build up their fortifications a bit too much in certain areas where they need to push through, like the south? Like I said, it's open, it's fast. Like, what, what if there's absolutely no way for them to actually push through in certain areas? I think this is a realistic possibility. I think the West slept on this offensive too much. And, and I believe the West did this because they didn't believe Ukraine could hold this long and... and take victory. The, the argument is, the psychology behind this is, if the West truly believed that Ukraine would have pushed back Russia or could push back Russia, like we have seen, why wouldn't have they given them the weapons day one, month one, six months in? The time to have struck the Russians was on the chaotic withdrawal of places like uh, Kiev, Crimea, uh, sorry, Crimea, Kharkiv, Kherson. When you've got them on the run, there's... Um, total chaos in areas, guys going everywhere. Like in the beginning when Kiev, when that just went to shit, that would have been the chance to strike and go back, not give the Russians 12 months to reassess, okay, what have we fucked up? What have we done wrong? Let's build this. Let's reassess our tactics. Let's do that. Let's do that. Putin's shifted people around. He's fired people. He's put other commanders in. There's commanders who have a lot of experience now in this and you'll learn through fuck-ups, you learn through blood. Now, I'm not saying that the individuals are as capable as the guys from Ukraine have gone and trained in, in the West. They're not. But we've given Russia a lot of time. Look at the build-up around Crimea. And this as well, that Russia wouldn't have built up all the defences around Crimea if they didn't believe that Ukraine was a real risk to take back Crimea. But I do think there could that's a realistic possibility that we may have slept on it a little bit too, a little bit too long. And with the, offense, uh, sorry, with the elections coming up next year, 
I believe that that is going to be such a big thing running into this. And if we look at the amount of ground taken and look at the time frame of this, it's going to be well over a year. And we know that, you know, what month are we in now? June? In the winter, big offensive movements like this are just not going to happen. Like there will be small shifts, but nothing too major. But we will get things like the F-16s coming to play. How much a difference will they make? They're not a wonder weapon. Uh, they'll make a difference, but they won't be complete game change. Um, nothing will be a complete game changing like that, other than thermobaric or sorry, thermonuclear weapons. Nothing is game changer in war. So, I think that they may have left it too long. But the thing is, too, you need to look at not offensive on clearing operations. In my opinion, Ukraine at the, at the right now here now do not have the men or the equipment to clear all the regions of Kharkiv, Luhansk, Donetsk. Um, Zap Oblast, Herson Oblast, Crimea. They don't have that amount. But can you get things back diplomatically of, for a very just loose example, Ukraine push on this Oroki front. They move through Tokmak into Melitopol. They take out then the Crimean Kerch Strait Bridge. Then do you get, with taking only a few, maybe 100, 200 kilometres, then do you clear hundreds of square kilometres of land due to resupply of soldiers cut off. So I think it'd be more like that, this sweep through. But we haven't seen on either side the amount of offensive operations in built-up regions we have seen. So you look at like the biggest place that Russia has taken, I believe, is Mariupol. And look at the length of time that took with basically the full brunt of the Russian army at that time because it was the main focus and the massive civilian population. And look, to win that, they basically had to take the city to rubble and hundreds of um, Ukrainians also um, had to surrender in that region. Now, are we going to see very similar in somewhere like Donetsk City? That we haven't seen an example of either Russia or Ukraine how that would actually look taking somewhere like Donetsk, like Sevastopol, how would that actually look? We we don't know. We know that Bakhmut, an urban centre, took, what, eight months to fall? Look at how long something like that would actually take. And I would argue, I would argue both sides have an advantage to time. The West has a somewhat infinite supply of weapons for a war this size. A war this size is not a large-scale war. It's large-scale if you're Ukraine or Russia. But it's not if it opened a full front across somewhere like the west can build up supplies yes we're low on some stuff in storage but we can build factories we can do, that will be that won't be the overall problem we've supplied such a little amount but as well where's the west's taste for this going where how do people feel that will that's what's going to end first what's going to end first is the west's interest rather than the west's weapons and where's the interest on the russian side well Biden knows if Ukraine falls or, you know, the war doesn't succeed in one way or another, he's just going to retire and do whatever. Putin knows that if this doesn't succeed in some way, he'll die. And he will go in history as a massive failure. So I believe more there's more stake for Russia than there is for the West. The people wearing the most amount of stake are Ukraine, who are fighting for the existence of their state. So that is, that is true. The, the highest states for stakes sorry is for ukraine then russia then the west but we don't know that's why we're seeing so much fierce fighting and people in ukraine being like we're not giving up anything because that's the existence of us our state our people 
Where if Russia pulled back to the border now, the pre-14 border, Russian culture is going to exist. Russian it's not going to change. Really much at all, other than perceptions of Putin and the waste of the MOD. Now, could that then draw a collapse of the Federation as we see? I don't know. Maybe that's what Prigozhin's banking on. This is my honest opinion. Is I think Prigozhin is someone who's playing the cards of... It's it's like someone playing foot, uh, sorry, watching football who will change who they're barrack for, seeing who who's winning. And I think Prigozhin's like, I don't really care how this war goes. I just care about my business of Wagner and that I land in a position of power no matter where this falls. Yeah, well... As long as he doesn't become a war criminal, I guess it's not going to be too difficult. Well, I think he's already classified as a war criminal. Well, I mean, is he going to be able to leave Russia outside of that? But but the thing is, he's classified as a war criminal and Wagner is a terrorist organisation in countries of which he'd probably never go to anyway. Like, I can't really see him going to France. Like, because even if he's not, like, you know, they're not going to let him in. Plenty of things like that. But where Wagner operate, you know, through the Middle East, through Africa... Uh, through Muslim countries, well, does he, they're not going to classify him as a war, war criminal. And that's where the we're never going to hire Wagner to do work, but African countries, Middle Eastern countries, Asian countries may. That's where his business is. And I think he, he wants to land on his feet in a position of power somewhere. Okay. Well, I'm glad we went on a little bit of a, a willy rant there for a couple of minutes. But do you, do you agree with do that? I agree. Of, of yeah, Prigozhin, I agree. Yeah. 100%. I, I, believe, I agree in the fact that I think Russia has most, most at stake. Well, Putin, I guess you'd say. Then Prigozhin is looking to fill some gaps. He does nothing but talk terribly about the people inside of the Russian government, other than Putin. Never talks bad about him. And I think the Ukrainian counteroffensive is not going terribly, but I don't think it's going well enough to where the it's, it's, it's getting any... No one inside the news here in America is picking it up, which that's what they need. They need something yeah. like, wow, they just took a mega chunk inside of Ukraine back. Yeah. That's what they need. And this is the good and bad thing about the Hush campaign. The Hush campaign is good for OPSEC stuff, not good for your own optics outside because, well, nothing's coming out of Ukraine. Nothing. So CNN, Fox, you and I haven't done a video in four days, five days. Not because we don't want to. Not because we don't want to. It's because there's... We don't not, have enough information just, to go off. There's nothing really to talk about. Yeah. And if me and you don't have something to talk about about Ukraine, and I think we've covered it more than any news outlet here in America, sincerely, I can't think of another news outlet that has covered this fucking war more than I have. The economy of information is care. more important yeah. than anything in this war. And I believe, my personal opinion is Ukraine's biggest strength through this entire conflict has been the information campaign. That they have won that. That they've got, uh, they've been incredibly intelligent about the marketing of that, how it's gone, whatever. Now, of course, they've had, you know, a lot of benefits because you're a country that's had an invasion on it. It's pretty easy to sell that. But they've maintained that support brilliantly. Most people before this, couldn't have given a shit about the Maidan revolution, wouldn't tell you the colours on the flag, wouldn't tell you where Crimea is, where Ukraine is. No one would know. Like, but Ukraine has brought that into the forefront of stuff and have supplied massive amounts. If, and personally, in my opinion, is if this wasn't such a popular topic, someone like President Biden, those democratically elected leaders, who was a populist vote at the end of the day, they wouldn't have had much support. Imagine if, imagine if in another unjust era, imagine Mali, Burkina Faso, where there's genocide going on, like as horrific as this, as horrific. But there's not in the media. If Biden said, I'm going to give $115 billion 
to there. People would be like, no. Look, and, that, and But this is what we'll see, the op- opposite side of either, and I don't know it really, I'm not too over your um, election process and who's going to run, but you've got DeSantis Trump on one side and you've got uh, Biden and then very recently RFK has really come into popular through Rogan. And three of those leaders are very anti-supporting this conflict. And that's where we'll see how the American public really feel about this. Because I believe the biggest topic running into the election is going to be Ukraine. I believe that wholeheartedly. And that's where we'll see how the democracy of people actually feel. Because if 50... And I know you've got voting colleges and whatever, but if 51% vote against Ukraine, that then means, well, 51% don't support the further of this. And I believe that people will swing because people very quickly go, uh, people have this bias of people are either um, pro or anti. And you're like, no, no, no. A lot of people aren't on this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This uh, one-sided thing. There's people that float in the middle. People are like, I'm all for Ukraine, but I'm also people also like, yeah, but I'm hesitant sending $100 billion to a country known for the level of corruption who's not showing offensive movements. So there's people that think like that who are like, yeah, I'm for the people, I'm for this, but I'm anti that. And there's people that, it's a spectrum. All of this is a spectrum of where people are. You've got, you've got Putin on one end and the most pro-Ukrainian on one end. And there's people that lie all through the spectrum. And where we will see where that comes down to a binary, sorry, is the word I'm looking for, where we see that come to a binary will be these elections and where it will go from there. And this offensive could take a year. It's, it's Russia has taken over a year to get to this point on the offensive majority of the time. Yeah, well, that's a good way to look at it. Well, maybe tomorrow will be a big day. I don't know. We never know. Maybe the hush campaign will stop being so hush, hush, and we'll know some more stuff talk about i guess i don't really know <laughs> thanks for hanging out with me guys i'll see you guys tomorrow possibly next day who knows i do love you guys i'm out